The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sandy Botkin. Uh, he is the author of a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, Wealth Building Secrets from Everyday Millionaire, and he is also the president of the Tax Reduction Institute. And this is part two of a discussion we had about a month ago with so many things to cover, we couldn't get to them the first time, so no, we're now back for a second helping of Sandy Bodkin. Welcome to the show, Sandy. It is a pleasure. So there's lots of things to uh, talk about here, but let's start off with some of uh, the financial tips that people should be looking at uh, for the new year, particularly in light of the new tax law that we've got, the American Taxpayer uh, Relief Law. And the first thing you think people should do uh, is to understand the reasons that people fail financially um, so why don't you go into some of the reasons why people fail financially? Well, there are 16 reasons, and there are six that I refer to as the the six horsemen of financial death, because any one of those things can absolutely wipe you out. Okay, let's do the six. Okay. First of all, uh, let me see if I can find exactly where it is. There are a couple things. First thing is disability. It is amazing how many people are not adequately prepared if they can't work. I call that a living death. They, they, you have to be able to be prepared to, if you can't work for four years, five years, ten years, or the rest of your life, and you need a really good disability policy to cover you. That is absolutely essential. And if you don't have one, you're making a big mistake. So you need That's that up until... Age 65, because at that point, Social Security disability does cover you, is that right? Social Security does kick in, that is correct. Actually, you can actually get Social Security earlier if you can show you're completely disabled and can't do a darn thing. Now, one of the important things about a good disability policy that Social Security doesn't give, with Social Security, if you're a doctor, but you can sell hot dogs, you can still work. You don't collect Social Security. Social Security, you have to be completely unable to work. So you want a disability policy that covers you for your own occupation. That's what's very important. Okay, so that's number one. Second thing is premature death. It doesn't kill you, obviously. You're dead. It kills your family. And there, you've got to, be, you've got to have enough life insurance. And we can get, we're going to get into how much that is and what type it should be, but you absolutely have to have enough. Do, do you find a lot of people do not have enough life insurance? Yes, absolutely. The main problem being that most of the insurance agents don't make a lot of money on term insurance. They make a lot of money on whole life. So they try to sell some kind of permanent whole life, which is a lot more expensive, but they sell less of it. So they might, people might really need a million or a million and a half of insurance to cover them for their mortgage and their kids' education and, and other things when they're only buying 250000 of whole life. What is a rough rule of thumb of a number of times your gross salary that you need insurance? Just as a rough idea. If you ask most insurance agents, they'll tell you between six and ten times. That's not actually accurate. It should be at least six times your gross income, plus any debts you want to get rid of for the rest of your life, which any debts you might have, like mortgage debt, things like that, plus any anticipated future expenses, future expenses being things like college for kids, weddings, things like that. So at least six times your, your gross income, not net gross, 
plus future expenses you incur to pay, like college, wedding. Even that. So say, say you did that, Sandy. Say you had six times your gross plus the, what you were saying. That's still only going to last you six or seven years. Say you pay off your debt. Say your well, spouse think dies. Tax-free. Let's, let's, let's be more than that. Because if you make $100,000 a year, by the time you pay taxes and everything, you're left with sixty. Whereas you get six times your gross income, that's $600,000 tax-free. Yeah. So it'll be more than six years. I, I recommend ten times. Well, okay. I, my book recommends, Chief Financial Freedom Big Time recommends ten. Yes, okay. The third, the third thing is lawsuits. There's a lawsuit filed every four seconds in this country. It is unbelievable. And they're building more law schools, if that's not enough. The people really need to understand that they need to protect their assets. And that's something that's very, very important. That's particularly true if you're in business or if you own any real estate. Owning investment real estate is like having a walking lawsuit. So if you own any real estate, if you uh, have a business, you absolutely have to have some asset protection built in. And I think everybody should to some extent. So it's the way you hold the assets that gives you asset protection, putting it in trusts and things like that? The way you hold it, having the right insurance. I I have a whole chapter on that. I mean, there's, there's lots of things. Okay. All right, so that's number three. Insurance is probably the single most important thing because insurance will at least cover you for your legal fees. And if you have enough of a, of a umbrella policy, many times they'll settle for that, and that'll wipe out 99% of most lawsuits. Okay. So that's number right. three. What is the number fourth, four? The fourth horseman of financial death, and there are really 16 altogether, but these are the six most important, is the state taxes and probate. Now, a state has actually improved quite considerably. Uh, they now have under the new American Taxpayer Relief Act, they give you a $5 million exemption. And if that's not enough, you can use the exemption for any deceased spouse. So you can really get like $10 million. And for most people, that's enough. Estate planning is more than just taxes. You also need to plan, you know, we have a lot of non-traditional couples today. Like in Maryland, they now approve gay marriage. All right, you need to plan for this. Plan for non-traditional couples. Plan for pets. Plan for things like being in a coma. Things like that. You need to do all this planning. Because most people have the impression now, I'm sorry? with a $5 million estate, that uh, estate planning doesn't really affect them for the most, but they're yeah, not going to have to pay estate tax taxes. perspective, if you have less than $5 million, or actually you can, do, you can probably transfer it to your spouse with some, with some planning, uh, $10 million, you probably won't have an estate tax. But there are other issues. There's probate. There's planning for kids to make sure on, if you get remarried. There's planning in case you get into a coma. What should the kids do? How should they handle this? There's all kinds of issues. Planning for non-traditional families, blended families, pets. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people need to think about. Yeah. Okay. So that's number right. four. The fifth horseman of financial death, which which is it won't kill you immediately, and I'm not. It may not be one of these horsemen, but it really is a major killer around this country. Is is overspending and unwise use of credit. That's a major problem. I think I was reading that the typical household in 2011 has almost $16,000 of credit card debt. And even worse, the average interest rate for these people that are paying on that debt was a whopping 12.78%. Sometimes even higher than that. Saving enough, and they really, really need to watch this. So it's a matter of habits, is that what it, or just people instant consumption? It's they want matter, everything now. It's, it's a, well, I got a whole chapter on this, but it's basically it's a matter of a couple of things. They need to understand that spending is emotional. Many times they go out and they, somebody has a bad day. What do they do? They go shopping, or they go out and they eat out, or they or they try to save money like, in multiple ways. Like somebody sends, sells them a deal, like, oh, if you get this, you'll save money. The problem is they don't take into consideration any prior purchases. They keep trying to save money, and then they end up losing all their money. <laughs> 
There's yes. lots of things. I mean, they, they just they, Americans are just not saving enough, and they're overspending. And as far as unuse of, uh, unwise use of credit, I mean, general credit has gotten tighter and harder to get these days. Are people still abusing it as much as well, in the past? No, they're not, they're not harder to get when you want to put it on way away on a, on a store. Yeah. Okay. And, and we're bombarded to buy. I mean, you look at commercials. There's more commercials now. I was just timing it. There's more commercials on the average show than ever before. There's all these messages to buy, 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 buy. You go into a store, they try to get you into all kinds of things you might not normally buy. You order something off the web, all of a sudden somebody's talking to you about trying to upgrade your order. The, 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 new, the new biggie size is to get more things. You got to so you really suggest to, to uh, basically it. people should uh, resist that temptation is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. The magic key is you've got to put 10% away for you, and we'll get into that in retirement spending, and live on the other 90%. And there's a lot of ways to do that. There's ways to cut costs and things like that that we'll get into. All right, what's number six? All right, the final horseman of financial death, which especially is important of the American Taxpayer Relief Act, is taxes. Taxes, you know, you read about Susie Orman. She tells you, get out of debt. That's the number one expense. And she's very famous. But as famous as she is, she's wrong. The number one expense in life is taxes. It exceeds what you pay for food, clothing, lodging, and transportation for most people combined. And that is a really, really important thing. The, the bad news is that the rates are going up next year for almost everyone. The good news is that there's a lot of things you can do, particularly if you have a business. One of the things I strongly suggest to people is to start up a legitimate home-based business and work that like a business. Because if you have a business, you can write up part of your house, your spouse, the equivalent of your kids' education and weddings. You can set up a pension plan that I promise you makes any government plan small by comparison. Having a side business and working that like a business is essential from a tax perspective because there are two tax systems, and the one for business is much better than the one for employees. But there's some specific things in the new tax law that help small business uh, to prosper? Plenty of things. For example... If you buy a brand new truck and use that in business, you can write off 100% of the business use of that truck. If you buy a sports utility vehicle and use that for business, you can write off $25,000 of the business use of that sports utility vehicle and depreciate the remaining part over six years. Plus, there's all kinds of fringe benefits you can set up, uh, So there's that, which is in my other book. So uh, having a business is tr- you can write off part of your house. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that employees don't get. And what's even better is if you start, you know, I never understood, Jordan, I'll be honest with you, why anyone would put in overtime for a company that, for the most part, doesn't appreciate them. They really don't. I would take that same overtime that you'd be putting in, start a side business, and maybe you can make enough money where you can tell that boss, which is spelled backwards, double S-O-B, to forget it and, and do your own business. Yeah, a lot of people work overtime, don't get paid for it, but they feel they get, get fired if they don't put the work in to get the, the work done. Well, I, I, that's why I would take the overtime. I would put enough time in just to make sure you don't get fired and put that extra time into building that business. I mean, I just met someone, a good example. She got a, a, a award, employee performance award. I think it was from Xerox, but I may be wrong about the company, uh, for her work. Six months later, the company merged with another company. They got rid of her department. She was laid off. I mean, six months after she got an employee performance award. The companies don't care about you. They don't. It is rare when I find a company that really cares about their employees. They don't. So I was given as little time as possible to prevent being fired. Obviously, you've got to weigh what that is. And the difference I would use to start up a side business, get all these tremendous tax benefits, and hopefully make enough money where you can quit that job. So you're saying there's a lot of people who could qualify 
to run a legitimate business and get all these tax breaks, but they're kind of an employee mentality, That's and therefore correct. they don't do it? That's correct. That is absolutely, and there are plenty of businesses. You don't, you don't need cash. I mean, yeah, a lot of the franchises you need cash, but there's other types of home-based businesses you can start, from network marketing businesses to side businesses to a lot of other things. I mean, there, there's, there's always there's, there's plenty of things available for almost any passion and almost any interest. If you have an idea that you think could make you money, consider pursuing it. I mean, I, I, you go on, you, you read all this stuff. You go on uh, Shark Tank. All these people have all these crazy ideas, some of which are pretty darn good, and they've made some money with it. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. Okay, very good. Tremendous opportunity. We're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman with The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sandy Botkin. Uh, He's come out with a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, Wealth Building Secrets from Everyday Millionaires. He also has a website, uh, which is called taxbot.com, and he is the president of the Tax Reduction Institute. We'll be back after this. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sandy Botkin. Uh, He's the author of a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, Wealth Building Secrets from Everyday Millionaires. He has a website, taxbot.com, and is also the president of the Tax Reduction Institute. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. It is a pleasure to be on. Tell people a little bit about what they can find at taxbot.com. Well, TaxBot is a really uh, cool application, almost a service, actually, for smartphones, for iPhone, Droid, and the tablets. It does a couple things. It First of all, it has a lot of information on it in terms of reducing your taxes, financial information like we're covering today, just a lot of 260 blogs on a whole variety of things, the latest scams and all kinds of stuff. But in addition, it has three other things. It will keep track of your expenses as an automatic expense tracker with literally the press of a button. But it does more than track your expenses. All the questions that IRS or Canada Revenue Agency requires right to have 
will be right in front of you. For example, you can't just write off entertainment. You have to write down who, what, when, where, why, how much, and this thing is automatically triggered. And you just fill it in, and you're bulletproof. It has an integrated scanner with a camera, so you don't lose receipts. You can take a picture of it, and it automatically gets stored on the web through your phone, and, and then it has an integrated GPS system with a mileage tracker that automatically keeps track of your mileage with the press of one button. And what I'm telling, I'm not exaggerating. When you get to your location, you press end trip, it'll give you the beginning address, automatically ending address, the mileage, and the date. All you put in is Y, and you are bulletproof. And now TaxBot, if he's starting in February, is going to have what I call credit card integration, where you pick an account, like a credit card or a bank account. It will examine what's in that account, what you, what you charged, compare it to what's in TaxBot, see if it's missing, and then send you on your phone a message saying, hey, here are some expenses that are missing on these business. And if so, it will add it to TaxBot to give you a yearly report that you can give to your accountant and summarize it for you. I mean, it's a very cool program. Very good. Very good indeed. Okay, we're going to get back to some of the other uh, New Year's resolutions people should be making. Uh, the next one you have is people should set up an adequate reserve. Uh, how much is that? This is a very important point. I get questions asking me all the time, where should I put my 1000 or 5000 that I've earned? The first thing people should worry about before they worry about where to invest it is having a reserve. So I want to make that very clear. And that's, the mo- that's one of the most important things I emphasize in my book, Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, too. First of all, how much did you have? Here's your answer. You get a lot of different answers when you ask financial planners, but here's what I think the right answer is. First of all, it consists of four factors. You've got to ask yourself, why do you need a reserve? And that is in case you get unemployed or in case you can't work. That's the key. Normally, it takes a year to get a new job. So the bottom line is you want to have one year of living expenses at least. Now, if you have a really secure job, maybe you're you're working for the government or something like that, you may not need a full year. Maybe you only need a few months. But assuming you don't have a very, very secure job, you need one year of living expenses. Second thing, you need at least five to $10,000, and it's probably more like $10,000, for what I call unanticipated expenses. Things like all of a sudden you need dental implants. All of a sudden you need a new roof. So you want to add to that one year of living expenses, five to ten thousand of of unanticipated expenses, and the third part of that reserve is big anticipated expenses you incur, you expect to occur within three years. Now, what are those? Well, those are things like college funding that's coming up, college tuition, weddings, any big anticipated expense, and and that, by the way, raises a very good point. What do you know if you have a let's say you have a daughter or your son is going to college in two three years, and you've got a bunch of savings. You should probably take the money out of the stock market and put it into a safe place. Reserve means safe. It could be a money market, a savings account, a checking account, but safe. Forget about the return. You want it safe. All those people that had these stock market drops in 2008 that were going to pay for their kids' tuition in two years lost their college savings. And that's why if you expect to have something within two or three years coming up that's a big expense, you should put it somewhere safe. You, so it's not subject to that stock market fluctuation. So you shouldn't worry about the fact that you're earning nothing on it, will earn correct. nothing on it for a long That's time. That's correct. The key is safety and liquidity. Okay. All righty. And then, um, so that's safety reserve on the side. How much should you be saving? What are some ways that people can save automatically to make their money work for them? Okay. You know, it's interesting. Most Americans traditionally do not save much money. Let me give you a couple of statistics that I... Uh, I found when I was uh, writing my book, Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, because this is shocking. The average American who is under age 25 
has a net worth of fourteen hundred and seventy five dollars. Between twenty five and thirty four it's eighty five hundred. Between thirty five and forty four is fifty one thousand. Between forty five and fifty four is one hundred and eighty thousand. That includes their home by the way. And between fifty five to sixty four is two hundred and thirty two thousand. I mean that's for the rest of their life. The average American family has thirty eight hundred dollars in the bank. Fifty percent of American households have no retirement account, Jordan. Fifty percent. The average American family owns a house worth 160000 of which 95000 is mortgaged. And I can go on and on about how dire the average American is in. It is critical that you make a promise to save 10% of what you make. You can take, if you can, if you can 10% of the gross. If you can't, 10% of your net, but 10%. Now, that includes all retirement savings, like IRAs and 401Ks, but 10%. And then you've got to live on what's left over. That is the key. So a lot of people don't do anything close to that, you're saying? A lot of people don't even do anything close to that. That is correct. You know, one of the things I did in all my life, I'm going to say, I'm going to mention a real trick. When I was a kid, I was 16, I was a paper boy. I put away, at that time, 2000 you can save into an IRA. And I put away 2000 into my IRA. And every year, I maximized my IRA. Uh, when the IRAs become better, when there was a simple IRA, we can put away between seven and 10000 I did that. I'm now in my 60s, okay? I, wasn't, I didn't do sophisticated investing. I didn't do stock trading, which is one of the, one of the uh, scams I'll, I'll get into when we get into scams. I didn't do a whole bunch of other stuff, and I am a multimillionaire. Why? All I did was put away between two and $10,000 a year, depending on the IRA or the simple IRA, whatever the pension was, and I maximized it every single year. If I had any extra money, I used it to prepay my mortgage, and sure enough, I have no mortgage on my home. That is the key to becoming having a successful retirement versus eating dog food on your retirement. And you might laugh, say, oh, that's, how does that happen? I was reading an article in Miami uh, where there was a, elderly couples. They were citing elderly couples eating dog food because they couldn't afford to live on their retirement. Do not be fooled into thinking Social Security will be enough. It won't be enough. As far as choosing which to put money into first, uh, should it be a regular IRA, a Roth IRA, a 401k? What, what would be the first place you'd start saving? You know, first of all, you want to reserve. That's the key. Remember what I said, reserve comes first. But once you have that reserve, for years I used to say a deductible IRA. I, I would maximize a contribution. The next thing would be to a pension plan where you get a matching. If you have an employer that matches you, then sure, take advantage of it. It's free money. So then I would put it into a 401k, whatever it is, you get, you get a matching. Now, if you don't have any matched contribution, then I'm going to say something that I normally haven't been saying for years. I used to say, get a deductible IRA. But uh, you know what? With a $16 trillion deficit going up, and with Congress being completely unable to handle that deficit, I think taxes are going to go out, are going to go out of the sky. So in my opinion, now what you want to do is put it into a Roth IRA, or if you have set one set up, a Roth 401k. These Roth uh, IRAs and 401ks are not deductible. You won't reduce your taxes by it. But when the money comes out, it is tax-free for the rest of your life. And not only is it tax-free, but you don't have to take it at age 70 and a half. If you want to keep it a little longer, you can do that. There's no minimum distribution from it. So in my opinion, where you should be investing your money, if you don't have matching, is either a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k. The only catch with the Roth IRA is there are income limitations. It's around 150, 160,000. So there are some uh, limitations with the Roth IRA. Do you think that Congress would ever change that? No. So they would tax the money coming out of Roth IRAs? No. They have never, 
ever in the past uh, taxed things like that that were made tax-free by statute. They may have they may have taxed it after a certain date, but they've never made it retroactively taxable. Okay. The next area you say is to reduce your debt with what you call the power-down technique. So how does that work as a way to reduce your debt? Okay. First of all, you, you want to cut spending. That That's the first key. And I've got a whole chapter on how to cut spending and where to look for uh, ways to, that you can change your, your lifestyle to cut some spending and so on. I'm not going to get into that, but I have that. Second thing is you've got to understand the magnitude of the problem and, and you've got to understand how to solve the problem. You know, it, first of all, schools are not doing a good job. Only 13 states require students to take even a finance class, unlike every state that requires gym, Okay. 60% of people ages 18 to 34 don't even keep a budget. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely unbelievable. And the first thing you have to understand is why are people overspending? That, that's got to be the first thing. You have to, understanding has to come before solution. The first reason, there are a couple reasons, is denial. Most people, frankly, are just in denial. I can't tell you how many people I meet who have hit rock bottom who think they're fine. I met somebody who's... who's doesn't have a lot of money. She's, she's absolutely relatively poor. And what is she doing? She's driving a Mercedes. And she's complaining she can't afford the monthly payments. Hello? Why does she just sell the darn car? Because, you know, here are some signs that you have too much debt. You've maxed out your credit card limits. You know you have too much debt when you're in that situation. Or you have debt that isn't being reduced. Or even worse, it's increasing. Or you're over 27% of your total income is being used for payments on your debt. Or you tend to argue with your spouse or partner a lot about the debt or you're taking cash advantage, uh, advances all the time on credit cards. Or even worse, you have no idea how much you owe. All of those are indications that you're in denial. Second problem for major debt, and that is what I call instant gratification. That, like this person wanted this, this Mercedes. Most people, as you probably know, are very short-sighted. You know, we want our companies to produce profits now, not long-term gain. We don't want to wait. P- people want everything now. We are the now generation. And that's you really have got to overcome this instant gratification rule. And to, you know, here's a real interesting key that I think everyone should know, and it's probably one of the most important things that I have lived by in my life. You can have anything you want, seriously, but you can't have everything. And the second point is money is, is emotional spending. Spending is basically emotional. Now, what do I mean by all this? You could have a Mercedes. You just might not be able to afford to eat or send your kids to college. You could have that wonderful dress or vacation, but you may not be able to afford to eat out all the time. You've got to make priority choices. The third point is you've got to plan for unanticipated expenses. That's where the reserve comes in. These things come up. I just had a big major repair. One of my rental properties, was, uh, I had to do a whole new kitchen after we had a, a, a review. Uh, it was $8,000. If I didn't have enough money put in a reserve for that, that property, I would have to somehow come up with $8,000 or borrow on a credit card. Fourth major problem, what I call the get-rich-quick mentality. Now, what is that? Many companies are now trying to what they call monetize your savings that will benefit you by buying their product. They note that the product will pay for itself. You save it all the time on television, for example. You buy a hot water heater or a hot furnace that has a more efficiency, and you supposedly it's going to save you enough fuel to pay for itself in six years. Solar panels supposedly have a break-even in 12 years and so on. The problem is keep, people keep buying these things, and they forget what they bought before, and they end up running out of money. <laughs> you got you to really watch what you're buying on these things. Fifth thing, never, never, or rarely buy for a consumer good, which is almost always a bad, buy, a bad idea. I assume we borrow 
for a borrow. consumer good. You're saying to borrow. Uh-huh. Okay, you don't want to borrow for a consumer good, which means you don't want to borrow for a a, um, a washer dryer, or you don't want to borrow for the refrigerator. Even cars, I would try to pay cash. The key is to save up for that. You know, people should not borrow for, borrow for consumable purchases. They should pay those off as fast as possible. Usually they have high interest rates. Another big problem, which has happened to this gal that I know, equating self-worth with net worth. You ever meet anybody like that, Jordan? Yes, indeed. <laughs> Where they think, oh, if I'm, you know, if, I, if I'm not rich, then I'm not worth anything. That is so unfortunate. As far as I'm concerned, some of the, some of the most valuable people in the world, in my opinion, were Mary, was uh, Mother Teresa and Einstein, and they weren't necessarily wealthy. Uh, obviously, inability to earn enough money is always a problem, but you don't have to usually make a lot. You'd be surprised how many people are, are doing quite well just earning a pretty decent living, an average living. Here's another big problem, lying to a spouse or significant other. That's something you never want to do. You also never want to totally risk your home or retirement. That is a very rare thing you want to do. And finally, not managing debt correctly. You know, denial, instant gratification, not managing debt, overspending, not putting away 10% of what you make for yourself and living on the other 90%. That's how people get in trouble. Very good. Uh, Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sandy Bodkin. Uh, he's the author of Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. His website is taxbot.com, and he's also the president of the Tax Reduction Institute. We'll be back after this. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500 either way you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sandy Bodkin. He's the president of the Tax Reduction Institute and the author of a new book, Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, and his website yeah, to help you follow your taxes is taxbot.com. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. It is my pleasure. By the way, for those of you who get TaxBot, you can, uh, I'm going to have a special deal for all of everyone who's got to listen to the show. If you call my office, which is uh, once you go on TaxBot, if you call 301-972-3600, that's 301-972-3600, tell them you heard about TaxBot. 
uh, on this show, they will give you a 50% discount for as long as you have TaxBot. How much is TaxBot normally? Normally it's 19.95, but you get it for half price if you call that number. Uh, per month, right? That's correct. Yes, very good. Okay. Uh, all right. Now, uh, there's a lot of scams out there. One of the, well, your principles is to avoid getting scammed in various ways. So let's go briefly through some of the investment scams that are out there and how you can recognize it and avoid to be getting right. taken. First the first one is, is Ponzi schemes. All right. Let's make something clear. When you heard that crime doesn't pay, that's absolutely fraudulent. It absolutely is. Crime pays, and it pays very well. The amount of the scam business is probably in excess of $100 billion every year. People, and it's growing. People really need to worry. I can't tell you how many people I meet who are scammed out of not only a lot of money, but their entire net worth. It's horrible. Even though everybody's very suspicious. You think that people have been seeing so many things going on there, they'd be very suspicious and get hard to be taken to. You know, you ever hear the word con artist or con men? Yeah. You know, con stands for something. You know what it stands for? Confidence. Confidence. They know how to instill confidence in you. And these people sound really good and really trustworthy, and that's how they take your money. So right. let's describe Ponzi schemes first. Right, let's start work. with the Ponzi scheme. That's the most famous one is the Bernard, the, the Madoff scheme. Let's talk about how to not be Madoff, so to speak, with your money. First thing, you want to some common sense things you can do. You always check out any money manager or promoter that you're dealing with. That includes going to the business bureau, Better Business Bureau. You always want to check out the money manager, promoter, and to see if there's any complaints against them by going to www.finra, that's finra.org, see if there's any complaints. You should always carefully read over the prospectus and look for strange things. For example, if there's a significant down market, they probably won't be making money, absent some very unusual conditions. If they're making a lot of money in a down market as well as an up market, that should trigger something's wrong. All right. Don't assume that the money manager is more brilliant than everybody else. In most cases, they're not. They're not. And, and finally, and this is something that most people really ignore. I don't care how good this person is. I don't care how much you like them. I don't care if they're your best friend. Then this is important. Never have most of your money with any one custodial firm. You should always diversify the management of your money. And that means not putting all your money in any one hedge fund or any one mutual fund. And the way you do that is that the government insures you for fraud up to $500,000. So my solution, and here's the rule of thumb, is you want to limit your investment with any one firm to be the greater of 10% of your investable assets or 500000 whichever is greater. If you do that, you will minimize the risk of these Ponzi schemes that are, seem to be going on all over the place. So this is one of the big problems with Madoff is that people put all their money with him or all their foundations with him. They put all or most of their money with him. That was an incredibly stupid, greedy thing to do. Yeah. It seemed fine until it all blew up. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, The next one you have are stock and commodities trading software. You see these advertised on TV all the time. All the time. Uh, What's wrong with those? Especially at seminars for $3,000 or $4,000 where they have have some – and I I see this all the time. A guy gets up, good-looking guy. He shows you his beautiful house. He shows you a picture of his beautiful wife, his his, his Rolls Royce. He shows you trades that have made all kinds of money. And then people run, not walk, run to the back of the room to buy these $3,000 deals. And then they tell you, oh, we'll even make it better. We'll give you your money back. We'll give you two days of training. If you don't think the training's good after the first day, you can get your money back uh, within the first day. Sounds good, right? Stop and take a deep breath. First of all, 
I want to ask you a question, Jordan. If you had a gold mine that was generating gold for you, where you never had to do anything, you didn't have to hire anyone, it just automatically generated gold and even sold the gold for you, would you tell anybody about it? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. And you certainly wouldn't sell it for 3000 bucks. And, and, if, and if you wanted to sell that gold mine, you'd probably sell it to a mining outfit for a billion bucks or two billion bucks. And you'd get long-term capital gain, not ordinary income like all these guys are getting, and, and come out with a hundred times more than you'd make by selling it at a seminar. So why are these people doing it? The answer, it doesn't work. Or it doesn't work better than what's already out there. You know, this guy who I happen to know who was doing this, he didn't make most of his money. Uh, on, on the trading software. He made most of his money selling the software. So bottom line is, when you see these, you know, P.T. Barnum said it's a sucker born every minute. He was wrong. There's one born every second. Bottom <laughs> line is, rule number one, never buy software programs or seminars, or, or software programs at seminars that cost more than $900. Number two, never buy training programs at seminars that cost more than $2,000 unless you really, really know what you're getting and that it will pay for itself. And finally, if you're going to ignore Rule 1 and 2, don't buy it then at the seminar. Anyway, research it. See uh, what other people say about it. You can always call the Better Business Bureau. In fact, you can always order the product and usually order it for less than what it's sold at the seminar for. So the bottom line is don't buy the trading uh, software that's sold for huge amounts of money at seminars. The next area is inheritance scams. How do people get scammed out of their inheritance? All right, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that go on here. The, ma the main one are what they call the Nigerian scams. That's where you get a letter. And I, when I first got this letter, I actually laughed at this. Where some nights, usually it's from Nigeria, but it seems to be coming from a lot of different places. Where all they need is a few dollars, a few th uh, whatever it is, a few dollars to get clearance certificate from the United States. So this guy can get $15,000. And he cites all these famous people that, will, that, will, uh, that know him and he knows them. And it, it goes on like that. And what it will do, if you can provide an American bank account, they will transfer it so that, so that they can transfer the full $15 million or $20 million to you. They'll guarantee you 10% of whatever that money is so they can get 90%. Don't ever, ever give out your bank account or bank routing number. Never. Remember, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And, and what happens is people tend to clear out, clean out their accounts. You never want to do that. Okay, and the next one is pyramid schemes. What are some of the... Recent pyramid schemes that are out there, they're different from the Ponzi schemes. Well, there's really two, two categories of pyramid schemes. The, they're different from the Ponzi. One is called the chain letters, where you get a letter, where you put your name at the bottom, you send a check to the person at the top. First of all, those are outright illegal, and you should not be doing that, and most of those are just, just fraudulent. Just don't do it. The second type, which is more subtle, is where what I call the, the illegal uh, marketing pyramids. And those sometimes are structured like multi-level marketing companies. And I want to be very clear about this. Multi-level marketing in itself is just a form of marketing. It is not illegal. Where it becomes illegal is where they don't focus on the sale of the product, but only on the recruiting. And basically, they, they almost emphasize recruiting completely, and they don't emphasize selling the product itself. That's the key here. You know, you want to make sure that, that the network marketing company is, is promoting the product. They're trying to get it sold. They also may rec promote recruiting, but they also promote the product to, to try and sell the product as well as uh, to be a distributor for that situation. So Do you think most people don't succeed at network marketing, even if it's a legitimate product? Well, you know, I'll tell you, yeah, most people don't. Uh, that's probably true. But I've certainly I have met people that have made 50000 a month, 100000 a month, 200000 a month. I've, seen, I've met people who made a lot of money in network marketing. I really have. The bottom line is, if you're going to do this, it should be on a product that you really believe in. 
It should be something that you really feel you can sell. You should meet with experts on how to become successful. It's got to be something that you know you want to do, and because it is a business, don't don't think don't think that this is some easy thing. It is a business that's something you got to stick with. But most people I know who really do stick with it can make some money with it. But again, the key has to be whether it's a scam or not, whether you make money or not. The key is determining whether it's a scam, and it's a scam if all they do is promote recruiting and they and they don't promote the physical sale of the product to consumer. If you wouldn't buy this product as a consumer, then there's something wrong. You also talk about book scams. What are some book scams that would be out there? Okay. You know, it's interesting. I, most people think that people who become on the bestseller list because it's a great book. I'll give you a real, real uh, interesting trick. Most people who make the bestseller list, especially nonfiction people, make it because they bought their own book, on the book from the bookstores. And that's how they made the bestseller list, as crazy as that sounds. Because once it hits the bestseller list, then all of a sudden everybody wants to review it, and then it sort of takes off. <laughs> Book scams, you've got to be very careful. And I'll tell you how you can tell a book scam. When somebody notifies you that you need to buy this book in a certain week, that's indicative of a scam. I had a lady who called me up who was coming out with a book. She offered me all kinds of things uh, to, to promote her book to my database. Uh, she offered me lists and all, and all kinds of things. But never did she tell me why I should recommend her book to the database, what's good about the book. Uh, to this day, I still don't know what's in that book. All she cared about was how much money she could pay me by promoting the book. You've got to really watch that, especially if it's being promoted with to buy in a certain period of time because they want to make the bestseller list if it's all done within a one-week period. That's how you know. And then identity theft. You said there's a lot of identity theft going off. There's a lot of different ways of doing it, but what are some of the most common ways that people get tripped up these days and have their uh, identity theft? It's, 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 it's just happening all over the place. I mean, uh, there was just right here in Maryland, there was a bank employee. Now, banks have access to your personal identification number. There was a bank employee who was selling the information to identity thieves. Uh, people had that. There was all kinds of, of – I'm reading this all the time where, where computers of a company get stolen, and there's all kinds of consumer data on the computers. I mean, why they'd ever allow consumer data on a laptop that you can take out of a business, I have no idea. But I see that all the time. You know, with identity theft, and there's a lot of ways people can do this. There's what I call a shoulder surfing. And this happened to me at a hotel. I actually saw somebody doing this, where they ask for your, for your credit card, and they ask your, for what's going on, and somebody's looking over your shoulder and listening as to what's going on. I was at an airport. A guy was giving his, his, his credit card over the phone of all crazy things. And I even told him, I wrote a, a whole book, Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. I have a whole chapter on this, and that's the one thing he shouldn't be doing. He doesn't know who I am. I mean, it, there's just so many ways to get identity theft, going through your garbage, you know, going on the web. There's all kinds of, of phony offers. So it's just, here's a, here's a, a big one, a recent one that I just wrote about in my blog of a visa where they call you up. And you've got to listen to this because this one's really scary, and I hope everybody's listening. They give you a call, and they go, hi, I'm from the visa fraud department. Did you order for $479 a, um, a telemarketer tracking or telemarketer device to keep telemarketers from calling you? No, and of course you say no. Oh, it's obviously a fraud. We're going to take it right off your account. Uh, first of all, I want you to we apologize, and we want you to know it's not a problem. Let me verify that we're talking to the right person. Is this your address? And they already have your address, by the way, and they, they read it to you. You don't give them your address. You go, oh, yeah, and uh, we, we have your credit card. We just want to make sure you didn't lose the card or we, to make sure that you have it in your possession. We want to make sure you have the security digit. Can you read just the three digits? You don't have to read your card number to us, just the three digits. And most people do that, and they say, fine, no problem. Um, and usually they do that because they already have your card number, by the way. 
no problem. Here is our here's your our claim number in case you have a problem. They give you a six digit number, which is completely worthless. Here's the phone number in case you have a problem, which of course is completely worthless. If you have any questions, give us a call. And of course, that person then receives a charge for four hundred seventy nine dollars on their credit card because <laughs> now the security number was given to the thieves. Yeah, it's terrible. There's, there's Very good. Done. I'm, I'm afraid to say. And whatever you do, uh, uh, you know, you got to be very, very careful. And there's all kinds of ways uh, to prevent this. Uh, I guess the bottom line. Let me give you a couple ways to prevent it. Is I have I have like 30 of them in my book, but I'll give you a couple. Don't give out any personal data or credit card information to anyone unless you have a very, very good reason to trust that person. If you receive any pre-approved credit card applications, tear them up into small pieces, even better, buy a shredder and get rid of them. Never give out information that a company with whom you're dealing with should already know. Thus, if, if you, they ask you for your password, you don't give it. If they ask you for your pet's name, you don't give it. A bank employee should never be asking these personal items. This information should be in their database. And, of course, you should never give out your social security number. I don't even give it out to medical offices. You know, you go to a doctor. Every medical office asks you for your social security number. I never give that information out. Never. Yeah. And there are many, many, many other things. Uh, I encourage people to get it in my book, Chief Financial Freedom, Big Time. It's all there. It's like 30 things you shouldn't do. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Sandy Bodkin. Uh, he is the president of the Tax Reduction Institute. The website he has that helps you keep track of your taxes is taxbot.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sandy Bodkin author of a new book called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time. He's also the president of the Tax Reduction Institute, and he has a website, taxbot.com, which helps you track your taxes. Welcome back to the show, Sandy. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. 
one area we want to talk about was colleges, and college tuitions are going up dramatically. How can people get their kid to a good college but still keep the tuition under control? All right. That, that's a really good issue here, and there's a couple things they can do. First of all, there's a, what is called a prepaid tuition plan. This, is, this particularly is good for state universities, but believe it or not, there's also a private prepaid tuition plan that a lot of people do not know about. The prepaid tuition plan is where you pay a certain amount of money, and almost every state in the country has it. And uh, the, the, once that money is in with the state, it guarantees you four years of undergraduate tuition and required fees at, at uh, no matter what the tuition is. It's a, it's a guaranteed deal. And that's called the prepaid tuition plan. I did that from two of my kids. It worked out phenomenally. And a lot of times people ask me, well, what happens if my kid doesn't go to the local state university? Many times it pays out. I know what the, in Maryland, for example, it pays out what it would have paid if the, for the tuition if they, for their local state university. So, I mean, it really, really is a, a very good thing. So if you go out of state. There, there are private prepaid tuition plans. You do a search. That will I'll cover up. I think there are 200 private schools or 300 private schools that subscribe to this private prepaid tuition plan as well. Now, in addition to that, there's what I call a, a, a qualified savings plan, otherwise uh, a, what I call a Section 429 plan. That's like a mutual fund. Basically, you put money in every year, and you use that for uh, tuition, required fees. It can even be used for a computer or Internet. And it doesn't guarantee the tuition, but it's used to pay whatever the tuition is that maybe that prepaid doesn't pay. Uh, the money is tax-free if used for qualified tuition. And that's called the Section uh, 529 plan. You want to meet with your financial planner. Third way to save up money, which is a very good way, is setting up a Roth IRA for the child. A Roth IRA is a non-deductible IRA that's used to pay for, for college tax-free. Now, a lot of times people say, well, wait a minute, but a Roth IRA, you've got to earn money. And that's true. The kid earns money. Uh, they, can, they can put away up to 5000 into that Roth IRA. So what do you do if you have a kid that doesn't earn money? Let's say, uh, you know, they're not working. What do you do? Here's a suggestion. Hire them to do personal chores, things like make their bed, clean their room, work around the house, and pay them a wage. The wage isn't deductible, unlike a regular uh, job, like a, like a business job, but the, it's still earned income. That money can be put into a Roth IRA, and even better, the first uh, 6100 they earn in, in 2013 is tax-free because they get a standard deduction against wages of 6100 Result, they can take that $5,000 and put that money into the Roth IRA, and, and when it's used for college, it is tax-free. So those are the best ways to save for college. Now... How would you like to be able to get, you know, a lot of times people, a couple, one more thing I want to mention before I get into this. Should, how about, should I spend money for my dream school? If let's say I get into a local state university, but I also get into Cornell, or I get into Tufts, which might be $150,000. Should I send my kid to that better school? And I'm going to give you an opinion. I admit that this is my opinion. You know, I have to tell you something. Most studies have shown that smart kids who go to a state university versus those that go to, say, an Ivy school, and this study was done by Princeton professors, by the way, have the same earnings over their lifetime. Well, if that's the case, why not send them to the state school? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Many times they don't even know what their dream school would be or what it's going to be like. If it's, if this is particularly true if they have to incur a lot of debt. I would send my kid to a state school every day, all day long, over incurring 
80, 100, $150,000 of indebtedness to go to that dream school. I can't emphasize that enough. I have never met anyone in my life who has large debt and was happy with that as a result. Never. So if it's a toss-up between incurring large debt and going to a dream school, pick the dream school. Uh, pick, the, pick the state school. I'm sorry, pick the state school. Now, how would you like to get in-state tuition for an out-of-state kid if you go to an out-of-state state university? Sounds good. This is, this is a real couple of secrets that I'm going to share with you. It's in my book in more detail, and I encourage you to get that book. But let me give you a couple of suggestions. One suggestion is there's something called, uh, in Maryland, we have what we call the academic common market. In New England, it's called the New England Board of Higher Education. In Midwest, it's called the Midwest Higher Education Compact, and so on. South has one, too. What it does is that if you have a state university in your state that doesn't have a major that your kid wants, if you belong to this compact, you can go to a, a, another school in the compact and get in-state tuition. Like my daughter was majoring in digital design. They didn't have a digital design program in Maryland. If she wanted to go to one of these compact schools, which is used to Maryland's part of the Southern Regional Education Board, she could go to one of those schools and get in-state tuition. I know a student from Georgia who went to take courses in Maryland. Maryland has a Jewish studies program, which Georgia didn't, and they got in-state tuition by going to the University of Maryland. So that's one way to get in-state tuition. The second way, which is the way, uh, well, another way is to join the military. Military, you can declare your residency anywhere and then get in-state tuition. Third way is to have a parent move to the state. Usually if a parent or there's a grandparent there already there, they can establish that they're, they're the supervising parent, and you can get in-state tuition. But the method that I used, which works for almost any state university, is to declare independent status as far as that state is concerned. Now, what does that mean? Independent status means the child is the, the tuition is not being paid for the child. The child is independent of the parents, and the child is paying their own expenses. Now, how do you establish independent status? Well, number one, you've got to have sufficient money in the kid's name to pay the tuition. So you've got to put money in their name at least a couple months before they start that out-of-state university. Number two, and that money should cover their tuition and room and board. Number two, they want when the minute they move that to that out-of-state school, they want to get in. They want to get uh, become a resident, which means they get the driver's license and voter's registration changed to that school. You want to show you're establishing residency. Number three, all tuition is paid by the student. You, you may keep a copy of any check or proof that they made the payment. All rent and all other expenses, do dorm fees, are paid by the student based on the money that you were able to put in the kid's name. By establishing independent status a year in advance, by the end of that year, they can apply for in-state status, saying that they're independent, and many times they can get it. And people ask, well, what happens if it doesn't work? Okay, if it doesn't work, you did your best. You're not in any worse shape anyway. There's no harm in doing it. But most time, more times than not, it will work if you do that. Terrific. All right, we've got some great ideas out about a lot of areas. We've just scratched the surface here. Again, if you want to find out more about Sandy's book, it's called Achieve Financial Freedom Big Time, Wealth Building Secrets from Everyday Millionaires. Uh, Sandy's website, uh, taxbot.com. Uh, he also has a website. His institute is called the Tax Reduction Institute. And he's just a wealth of ideas to help you save and make money in all kinds of different ways. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Sandy. My pleasure. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now.
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.